There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Classic. Yes. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel, joined by Marcus Parks and lonely but also in love, Henry Zabrowski. Oh, I'm lonely, but I'm in love with the loneliness. That's great. Henry, <laughs> I don't need a date anymore. You know why? Because mm. I know the truth about the Columbine Massacre. Um, I want to say this, Henry. You better watch out. There's a new actor here on last podcast on the left, and it's Ben Kissel. That's right. I signed with CESD, a very, very successful talent agency here in New York City. My first audition is Thursday. What's the role? Bigfoot. <laughs> I will be I will be going out for the role of Bigfoot. That is the first role. So I'm getting typecast. I will say I'm typecast, but I'm excited to go out there and be like or whatever the hell Bigfoot sounds like. No, no. You remember do you not remember the Bigfoot noise, Ben? Remember no. this when, when you go into okay. the casting director, the first thing you say is, you know what they there's been many recorded instances of the Bigfoot cry, which is okay. literally Okay. Okay, may I try this one time before we get into Columbine? Do it. That's good. That's perfect. Is there a skunk ape in the room that I can't see? I'm going to nail it. I almost cried. I did. I almost cried when I was like, oh, first audition, Bigfoot. Okay. Out of joy? Yes, yes, of course. Um, so today's topic is another interesting, you know, like we're going back into the world of Columbine. Yes. Again, another not first date topic. No, no, no. <laughs> Um, and we, we addressed some hard truths in the first episode, and as I thought there would be, there would be a lot of dust sort of kicked up about what we have said already based upon the Dave Cullen book written by uh, about Columbine, which is, of course, controversial in many people's uh, ideas of what happened at Columbine, mostly just because I think people in, in times of extreme tragedy right. really want there to be more of a Byzantinian myth. Yes. Around uh, what actually happened when actually it's just horribly, horribly simple. And to me, when you look at things mm -hmm. like the transcripts of the basement tapes, which I'm going to start reading chunks of today out loud, that you're going to see that uh, it's just the, the power of fuck faces. Yeah. And that's one of the things that really gets me about the conspiracy theories concerning school shooters, because all these, well, mass shooters, really, because you have your conspiracy theories about Columbine, about Sandy Hook, about mm -hmm. Aurora, that they were all mind controlled, that they didn't actually happen. And these really piss me off because it, what it is, is that it's people trying to ascribe a story or a reason to these horrible tragedies, these random tragedies. They're, right. But the actual truth of it is, there is no story. There is no reason there is no real motivation other than causing pain and asserting uh, superiority in their minds like there's no right. reason why ted bundy did what he did or why john wayne gacy did what he did there's no reason behind it other than pure fucking evil well, evil ego, and also they want to get on the cover of the Rolling Stone. <laughs> and back in the Rolling Stone. Stone. 
What did you do, Bob Dylan? I sang some great music and I, I entertained the masses. What did you do, Chernoff? I blew I up the marathon. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can get on the cover of the Rolling Stone for many different reasons. Yeah. And certainly Eric and Dylan, they were cult heroes uh, to many kids in the late 90s, early 2000s. And up until today. I mean, really, people are still using uh, Columbine as a uh, an inspiration. Yeah. And that and the blame for that lies squarely on the media. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, as far as the media goes, the echo chamber, last week we talked about the myths that came out of it. And this week we're going to start with how exactly those myths came hmm. out. And exactly we're going to see here. This is why you believe there is a conspiracy about Columbine. It's because the government uses these events for conspiracy for themselves. This right. is why the conspiracy thought even begins, is because, yes, there are conspiracies involved in all of this, but what they, what they are, where they are is in the back end. They are there to basically use Columbine to help possibly, you know, which didn't even work, which is, the, the, you know, the, the, the classic libertarian argument that they're going to take our guns out of our hands no. because a couple of kids went and shot up a bunch of people. But then you watch, no. it's like the resilience of gun owners and their lobbyists, and they made sure that that shit didn't happen, especially in Colorado. Well, <laughs> no, no tragedy goes unused by the government. And the one thing they definitely weren't able to do was take our guns, like you said. But what they were able to do was create a... Uh, a student body and young people very used to the idea of being confined. Yes. And very yes. used to the idea of being under constant monitored, uh, being monitored constantly with guns in the school. Some teachers are armed. Security guards are armed. They are just catering kids to be future fuel for the large prison industrial complex. Yeah. But in reality, kids are more comfortable now with the idea of not having freedom, not having the ability to move uh, like we did as children before Columbine. After Columbine, kids are now just resigned to their fate of being um, forced to do whatever they're told. Yeah. And how these myths actually came about, this is amazing how these myths were created and how fast they were created. All the ones that we talked about, that they were goth kids, that they were bullied, that they were part of the trench coat mafia, they were created within the first two hours right. of the actual tragedy. The first to be arrested was a kid who was actually a good friend with of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, this kid named Chris Morris. This is where the nerd angle comes in. He was a nerdy-looking kid. He had these huge wire rim glasses. He was kind of chubby. He had long hair, and he happened to be a member of the so-called trench coat mafia. I'm just imagining him myself, and I'm giving him, I'm giving, and like as myself, like I imagine myself dressed this is Chris Morris, and I just gave myself a wedgie. Ooh, how do you feel? I feel, you know what? God, nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. If you are getting bullied in the school, surprisingly enough, I was bullied uh, quite a bit. Get rock hard while they do it. And I'll tell you, that just works. That'll that'll deter any sort of bullying in the future. Yeah. I only get harder every time you do it, young man. And start calling them young man. Yeah. I think that's another good thing, too. Great strategy. While you're, at it, while you're back there, why don't you turn around and give me a bit of a touch on the knee? Right. This is also a strategy that you could transfer over to prison. If you do end up having to go there, just start smiling. Whenever they yeah. start uh, doing anything to your butthole. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. mm, daddy? Is it daddy back there? 
<laughs> now, again, we've never been to jail, so I don't know if that's a good strategy or not. <laughs> Maybe this will just increase all punishment. I'm not sure. Who knows? But as soon as Chris Morris was uh, arrested on camera, he was arrested on camera, the myth of the goth loner was born. And while most of the students didn't know Harrison Klebold, mm. of course, they, the news media sees uh, Chris Morris has been arrested. They see his appearance, and they start asking students these leading questions. Like, were they outcasts? Were they loners? Right. And the kids started saying, yeah, I heard they were. I don't know these kids. Right. I never met these kids, but I heard they were. The reporters, though, they never asked them where they heard it. And this right. is what one senior, this is a direct quote from one senior. A lot of the time, they'll like wear makeup and mm. paint their nails and stuff. And they're kind of like, I don't know. They're like goth, sort of like, but they're like, they're like associated with death and violence like a lot. That's what they do. Yeah, it's obviously that's an, a direct quote. And that is obviously right. a teenager making shit up as he goes along right. or a teenager trying to make sense of the tragedy. This well, is all very fresh. Also, I started looking up on EvanLong.net. All right. So I, I started doing my own sort of research about reading about uh, witness testimonials. And it's the same shit. Everybody does these same. All of the library witnesses. I started going through. This is 250 pages of police documents, which is mind numbing. Yeah. But each one of them, would, it's all of these little things where it's like, yes, they would. They were talking about leading up to the library. These were all done right after the shooting, right? Mm -hmm. This is like they, they were brought in. They, they were all sort of like in the chaos of it. Police and reporters were taking people and rapidly interviewing them, trying to figure out who was the, who, which one of you did this, yeah, right? Right. And this, like, you know, just the first one I was sort of reading was immediately like, um, couldn't recall his history teacher's name. Couldn't remember the name of the teacher that had come. It's like, it's little things. Couldn't really, couldn't fully describe the room he was in when he first saw Dylan Klebold come in the room. So you're, you're watching these people put together details and high stress right after literally seeing the most traumatic thing they've ever seen, right. which is watching their friends get shot in front of them like it's fucking Vietnam. And, and now you expect them to be expert eyewitnesses? I yeah. mean, if you go back, you can take the analogy of like a football game, for example. After a team wins like the Super Bowl, they interview the star players and they're just like, yeah! They're like, what's your mother? How's your mother doing? All right! Disney World! Your Sometimes brain. the ball is going to come at you. When you got to remember, it's about teamwork and it's also about determination I'd like to thank God, and I also would like to say sometimes the ball's just bigger when you're winning, and I mean physically larger. I, I also like to say that the field was slick, and also me and several team members got together with a witch, and we cursed the other team directly before the game. So again, you know, just go 49ers. We did it today. Uh, you're a member of the Dallas Cowboys. What? Yeah, you're on the, you're a cowboy. How did I lose this game? <laughs> <laughs> so when you're in those sort of stressful situations yeah. or moments of uh, excitement and adrenaline, adrenaline, it's all there's no way adrenaline. you can tell anything that's true. Absolutely not. And uh, Dave Collin, there's a, a segment in the book where he talks about this exact phenomenon. Uh, he talks about how uh, unreliable eyewitness testimony is. He uses a great example. Uh, he talks about a ponytail. One kid talks about a ponytail uh, where the entire time that he's running, this kid was just focused on the ponytail of the girl in front of him. 
and that was the only thing that he could truly say that he said like yes I remember she had this ponytail I remember being focused on that and all the peripheral details he couldn't quite remember but because memory is something that we like to fill in over time and the longer a memory goes and the more people that contribute to that memory Mm. uh, the fuzzier it gets and the further away it gets from the actual truth oh my god the memory of that I have of me in high school is so much better than the actual truth (laughs) I was such a fat bald loser but uh, now I look back in hindsight and be like that was pretty fun I had a lot of friends I was it was pretty fun times yeah I remember screaming into my pillow at night and like just being like who am I I am I am just a hall of mirrors and now I think about it I'm like you know, homecoming dances were fun. Yeah. Isn't that? I had a great yeah. time at prom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mm. spent all my time just staring at gravestones. Of, well, that's not changed. <laughs> no, yeah, nothing. <laughs> you haven't moved on quite yet, but you will. Yeah, Maybe did I? Your, no, I mean, that's the question. Did I mature too fast, too much, or have I just not matured at all? So you just went from like uh, prepubescent to puberty, right to like widow, just like <laughs> at the graveyard, just putting flowers down on some random gravestone, kind of crying yeah, to yourself. Yeah, you went from, from baby to young man to teenager to fester <laughs> from the Adams family. <laughs> but a skinny, fe- a skinny fester, which is kind of <laughs> nice. Well, these kids, like they, we talked about the trench coat mafia uh, a little bit in the last episode. The kid, how it started, that kid, Eric Dutra bought a black duster from Sam's Club for a Dracula costume and the Trenchcoat Mafia kids, they were the ones that were actually picked on. These were the kids that were because Columbine did have like every single one of the myths, they did have a kernel of truth to them. None of them came from absolutely nowhere. They all had, uh, Cullen puts it great, he said they got the details right but the conclusions wrong. Mm. Uh, The bullying, Mm. there was a huge bullying problem in Columbine High School. Uh, specifically it, in Columbine. Because specifically you look at these uh, schools that have very large sports programs and where the sports program is like – they talked about how like you know Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were, were a part of the whole group. Everybody went to the sports games. Everybody saw the baseball team. Everybody went to the football team. Everybody saw the soccer games. And so you're looking at this sort of like it's a star system. Like you, any school that has a big sports program knows that those guys are most of the time fucking terrorists. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and they they I, destroy people's lives all the time. But but yeah. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were just also a part of the problem. They were just misfit terrorists. I do I would do want to say this. I think there was a bit of myth, a bit of a myth about. Uh, uh, athletes uh, a lot of times also as a former wrestler I got third in state in the Catholic League uh, yeah so that was you weren't an athlete no no but, but I was very big and I'll be playing Bigfoot you would have to wrestle a priest in order to get in and then was it like one of those where he's just like no, 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 not too rigorous, Ben. <laughs> just want you to concentrate first on my belt. Yes. And then go taking them wrestling hands and taking my belt all the way down to my knees. Mm. <laughs> Give well, him a half, Nelson. But I'm just saying a lot I've never heard of a school shooting being done by the uh by the star quarterback or a chunky offensive lineman. And a lot of times these athletes tend to be a little bit more disciplined than some of the kids who are searching for identity because they have an identity. Oh, they're not and, disciplined at all. They I mean they're they're the one I mean wrestlers? they're disciplined but not in personal interactions. Wrestlers are because they all have eating disorders when they get done. <laughs> they're very disciplined. But what I'm saying is they have an identity. They're a football player. They're 
they're a wrestler, they're a basketball player. Right. These kids are searching for identity, and uh, being becoming a mass shooter is, uh, I suppose, one way to get it. I suppose, but the thing is, is that the the mass shooters aren't goths. Like they're not. They don't have any. Like we said in the last episode, they, there is no profile. But right. what did come from the, a creation of a profile? The media created a profile. Now all of a sudden, if you're a weird kid, and man, so many people have uh, so many stories as far as what happened to them after Columbine is that shit got worse for the kids that were outsiders, for the Mm. kids that dressed in black, the goth kids. Shit got so much worse because the media was all of a sudden portraying Mm -hmm. them. No shit, this was one of the angles that they were a homosexual cult who were involved in a death pack leading up to the turn of the millennium. Well, that is partially true. Yeah, that's your Donahue, (laughs) Geraldo Rivera kind of angle. That's my favorite one. Oh, yeah, the Pat Robertson angle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, those are the people. And uh, the TV journalists, they were very careful to use the phrases like they were believed to be. They were described as when talking about like the guy because they were still trying to cover their asses. But these teenagers, they're scared shitless. They're not picking up on the subtleties of television journalism believed to be. They're not they don't have the fucking style book in front of them. These kids the echo chamber is starting to be created. And some of these kids, they're starting to get these myths are being implanted in their heads before they even get out of the high school because remember, they're inside watching the television before they even get out during the fucking tragedy. Right. And initial reports, when kids came first started coming out, they said, oh my God, they're killing everybody. They're killing everybody. It's completely random. But by 8 p.m., uh, that by the time everything kind of settled down, witnesses went from no mention of tr- the trench coat mafia, goths, jocks are targeting, to nearly everybody saying, yes, they were being targeted. They were being, they were going for jocks. They were going uh, for anybody. They were going for black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of. Uh, uh, there was a lot of myths being created all in that first day. Yeah, so, I mean, the media create That's the problem with breaking news, right? These media companies, CNN, for example, makes all of their money off of breaking news. Yeah. And so as soon as they see it, they have to immediately start talking, and they have no idea where they're going to go or where the um, what the story actually is yet. Yeah, and uh, like we said last week, this was uh, it broke ratings records for both CNN and and Fox News. Which is a really yeah. a disgusting thing because you have to know that these people in the executive offices are laughing and smiling and thrilled with these numbers. It's about as uh, maniacal as a 1980s villain can get. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about some great TV here, though, guys. Oh, it's oh, beautiful television. My I think God. this is your problem that you're even mad. I'm telling right? you, <laughs> the 1990s, we had the 92 or the 91 Iraq War. We'll mm-hmm. always remember that footage. O.J. Simpson. And Columbine. Yeah. Those are the three events that uh, stand out the most. And what happened in all of those events? Murder. Yeah. So uh, Harris. So it's Eric Harris directly from transcripts from the basement tape. Basically, we want to talk about like this is what I'll use as my site, my uh, source material for why I don't believe they targeted anybody. So Eric Harris says it by himself. Do not think we're trying to copy anyone. We had the idea before the first one ever happened. They're referencing to uh, school shootings in Kentucky and Arkansas. Mm. Our plan is better, not like those fucks in Kentucky with camouflages and 22s. Those kids are only trying to be accepted by others. Mm. They go on to talk about how they hate all races, N-words, S-words, the Jews, and fucking whites. They also (laughs) mention enemies that abused them and friends who didn't do enough to defend them. Basically, everybody... 
Yeah. Right, right, right. Everybody. That that was their target. That, and that's what we talked about in the first episode. They were terrorists. And in fact, I mean, it could be argued that the ultimate target was not even the school. The ultimate target was the world. The ultimate target was America. They wanted to instill fear in people. They wanted to destroy right. the American way of life. Another quote from Eric Harris. We need a fucking kickstart. We have a fucking religious war, oil or anything. We need to get a chain reaction going here. It's going to be like fucking doom, man, after the bombs explode. Tick, tick, tick. Ha ha. That fucking shotgun. He kisses his gun. Straight out of fucking doom. Go ahead and change gun laws. How do you think we got ours? The boys talk about starting a revolution of the dispossessed. We're going to kickstart a revolution. Yeah. Which didn't happen. <laughs> no, it didn't, but they continue to use the word kickstart, so maybe they would have just gotten a GoFundMe at this point for <laughs> uh, you know, for an, their emotions and things an like Indie that. And Indiegogo, you get to keep the money even if you don't get the gold. Oh, isn't that <laughs> nice? I love that. It well, is amazing. You wonder if they would just be shocked that what they did at Columbine didn't increase gun laws. As a matter of fact, most of the politicians that mattered, uh, and the NRA specifically, was just like, give all the kids guns. Yeah. If one of the kids got a gun and the other one doesn't have a gun, the bad guy's got a gun. We need to put it in the good guy's hands. The, the premature mind of a child. We talked about this the last time. As a matter of fact, there was supposed to be there was an NRA rally right after the shooting. So we, a week, uh, nine days after. Right. And they let it happen. And the only thing that they changed about it is that they didn't bring up the young people like they normally do to have their young person testimony about getting their first guns. Yeah. Um, can you please come here and do our young post young person testimony at the NRA? The the blood, <laughs> the bl- the blood on the walls and. Sometimes I hear just the backfire of a car, and I just see Rachel's face going, blam, 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 you know, but I'm just happy that I got my Winchester rifle uh, thank you, so Henry. I could go hunting with my, my family. Get him off the stage. Get, pull him. Pull him off the Yikes. The youth of America, everybody. The future is safe with kids like Henry. I'll tell you what, these youths. They're not getting funnier. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's almost like there was a school shooting nine days ago. And this is another thing that tells me that that really damages any sort of conspiracy theory as far as these school shootings go. You guys didn't see the huge quotation marks that Marcus just did. And I think that's really important <laughs> as a part of your argument. If you're coming at anybody, <laughs> conspiracy theory. If you conspiracy can hear the wind go theory. past my microphone. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And, and, and what they don't get is that this tells you they don't do their research and they don't don't look past their own fucking noses is that every time there's a big school shooting the NRA and the pro gun politicians double down yeah they double down usually gun laws get less restrictive after gigantic mass shootings and one could argue that the conspiracy theory actually goes in the other way because this is a country that is built on arms sales like the pre- the military industrial complex which also trickles down to individual weapon sales mm-hmm. is a gigantic part of our economy like we mentioned earlier getting people getting kids comfortable with confinement so they'll uh, you know when they're in jail for at least you know whatever traffic tickets in Texas 
um, or anything like that. Jeff Ross just roast roast criminals, for example. One person was in there for I believe it was seven months because for unpaid um, uh, speeding tickets. Yeah. Anyway, people get more used to confinement, so you have that. Uh, you have the prison industrial complex making bank money there. These kids, th- people talk about the Matrix and having little fetus in jars, and they feed off our energy. They really just feed off of uh, us sitting there and rotting. And then the uh, the militarization of the cops also came in massive. Every single police force mm-hmm. the size of Stevens Point, Wisconsin, my hometown, or um, or or uh, in Columbine, there they all got tanks. Yes. They all, everyone got paid in this situation. The news got paid, the media got paid, the prisons got paid, and the police got paid, and they, the government got paid. They want more guns on the streets. Right. Like, that, that is something that they absolutely, they love having more guns on the streets. And the or trench coat possibly. industry. The trench coat <laughs> is, industry also got paid. Also, does possibly the Columbine Massacre help cover up the connection between pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies and the gigantic child rape rings that run our country? Okay, right, They're a part of a secret-keeping organization. We look at Mark Taylor, right? The story of Mark Taylor, which is apparently he was a victim uh, he was a, of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Um, but a part of it was is that he was uh, addicted to uh, various uh, mind altering, let's say, pharmaceuticals. Yeah, of like, course. Like Mark exactly Taylor or Eric Harris? Mark Taylor, this young man, right? And he was raped by the police to shut up about it. Well, there's different ways of get, keeping people quiet. <laughs> there really uh, is. And all of those, all the, the people that say, oh, my God, like they were, you know, how did these two seemingly innocent young boys just yeah. all of a sudden, and the big, one of the biggest ones is Michael Moore, and fuck Bolin for Columbine, fuck that fucking movie, fuck Michael Moore, uh, is that he's saying, like, how did these two innocent young boys suddenly decide to shoot up the school? Read the fucking journals. Read his website. There is copious amounts of evidence that this was a long planned attack. Also, right. possibly Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were raped by police the night that they broke into a white van that they say. So they say that is the turning point, right? Is that Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were out one night doing their various things. What was the name? What was the term that they called? Um, doing their pranks. Their missions. Their missions. Yeah. So they would go out on missions and they would TP people's houses and they would they would bust down mailboxes and they would blow shit up. And one night they broke into a van and story goes is that they were stopped by a certain sheriff um, who picked them up uh, and he arrested them and that infuriated Eric Harris, which was a part of the leaping off point for him starting to write the book of God, yeah. right? But um, there's another story altogether that they were taken by the police and entered into the Fat Cat's secret dungeon room, which is the truth, right? Fat Cat's yeah, no, group of, an intricate group of child rapists that are connected to our government and to the fact that because, you know, we were right next to the Lockheed Martin plant, right? Mm. All of this shit was happening right around Columbine, in Columbine and right around the high school. They were raped by these police and then drugged. They were They were derailed using barbiturates and uppers and hypnotism. They were then <laughs> set back out onto society. And what Columbine was, was revenge against the police. The whole point was them to start shooting people and get as much attention as possible, including planting, going after Brown and telling him he's going to kill his family and, and building all these pipe bombs, hoping to get caught. So finally, when they get the police in their faces, they can start picking off police as revenge. And Mark Taylor was the same guy. He says that he saw a sniper on the roof during Columbine, right? Mm-hmm. That he was there. He saw a sniper up there who was helping pick people off. Because of why? Because government hates 
kits. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what yeah. that sniper was? It was a very frightened air conditioner repairman. No, 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 no. Yes, well, he had a broom, but it yeah. was also what can a broom be done with? You can snap it in half and dig it sharp. That is <laughs> very true. Well, I mean, to give some credit to the uh, to the idea of um, of police abuse, sexual abuse, and offsites, police offsites. Of course, in Chicago, there was that massive um, uh, bust. They finally uh, they finally figured out that the commissioner from the eighties had aided and abetted in a lot of sexual assaults of black Let's men. Let's not mostly. get serious here, Ben. But but, <laughs> ser- but no. So I mean, there yeah. is there is possibly some authenticity to the to yeah. the angle that these kids were taken into a location that they didn't feel necessarily secure. Yeah, absolutely. And there is also, I mean, it is also being proven, especially in the UK, that child sex rings among the powerful elite do exist. They were also- Go ahead and look up Operation Hydrant, which is the current UK investigation into the gigantic gigantic child prostitute ring that was happening inside the UK that is involved with their parliament, that is involved with their entertainment industry. We have Airfuck One. No, there's shit that is real. (laughs) Oh, shit is entirely real. I'm not debasing that. No. I'm just saying that this is how this shit fits in, right? This is what our government can easily use to discredit anything like that. So what you have is a bunch of crazy people trying to tie stuff like the Columbine massacre to these child prostitute rings by saying that their programming broke down, blah, blah, blah. The the pharmaceutical companies, because he was on Luvox, he he lost his mind. It's, it's, It's passing the buck. It's doing all this stuff, and because the uh, main idea is that our government doesn't know how to stop these school shooters. Yeah. Because um, the problem is, is that we're America is creating schizophrenic murderers because of number one constant programming via advertising and our schooling system, and number two, and, and, and how that fucks with the natural human inclination of freedom and free thought, and it's stopping people. And so, I mean, and, I mean, Henry makes some points. Common Core, for example, standardized testing, yeah. and certainly both of those things play into kids needing medication. I was on ADHD medication like Stratera and Ritalin and uh, a couple of other very, very heavy antipsychotics because I was telling the truth at a young age. <laughs> Interesting. Um, <laughs> That's they, and now you'll be Bigfoot this week. Exactly <laughs> on Thursday. Oh my! Is that this is right? my question. If you don't get it, yeah, does that just what does that mean for you? Oh, then I'm gonna buy a trench coat, paint my nails, <laughs> and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, no. Um, so they you want to use my copy of the Anarchist Cookbook? Yeah, I think I still got it around here somewhere. Can I just get a real cookbook? I'd love a good soup or a gumbo, <laughs> something like that. Uh, my I, mom still has my old set of floppy disks. I have it. <laughs> In Florida, I have my anarchist yeah. cookbook somewhere yeah. in, in this collection of um, shit. I yeah. have to go find Henry, it. Henry, are you uh, what? What kind of soup are you eating there? Oh, it's got some nails in it. <laughs> you know that's not a real cookbook. Oh, what? Yeah, well, why is it all so delicious? It's, I made this thing called napalm soup, and I gotta tell you, it's spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a copy of the anarchist cookbook as well that I printed out on printer paper and I put in a binder. But you know what else is in that binder? A Legend of Zelda: a Link to the Past walkthrough. Ooh. My Mega Man Two codes. Right. Nerd alert. <laughs> Nerd alert. Uh-oh. <laughs> but let's talk about that briefly. Um, let, can we get to that now? The the different things that they blamed uh, Eric and Dylan's actions on such as video games. Yes, they blamed it on Doom. They blamed it on uh, all they blamed it on all sorts of they blamed it on Marilyn Manson. They didn't listen right. to Marilyn Manson. They listened to KMFDM and Rammstein. They loved that German industrial man. And poor right. KMFDM literally had to issue an apology afterwards. Yeah. They were doing they were literally just like 
yeah, sorry, yes, we, we don't want to disappoint our fans. Yes, we are all about rape and chaos, but only <laughs> in the form of song, not in real life. So uh, we are, again, deeply sorry to the families of, the, of those that are victims of uh, the Columbine massacre. But still, I hope everybody... Let's, let's all rape each other on the dance floor. Keep <laughs> it on the dance floor. Oh, that's sad when a heavy metal band has to apologize for their fans' actions. Yeah, it's that's not good. It's a great character for a second. It makes, makes it just be like, ah, damn, damn it. We are supposed to be the princes of evil, aren't we? But <laughs> we're not an erisht. We're not. All right? We are musicians, music makers. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's, it reminds me of the vampires from that uh, movie Out of the Shadows. Have you seen that yet? I haven't. It's done by the Flight of the Concord, dude. It's so funny. Oh, what we uh, do when, we, when we're in the shadows, something like that? No, they're vampires. They're all hanging out. Anyway, it's very, very funny. Check out that movie. It's not yeah. scary. It's, it's a humor piece. Yeah. Um, but, so they w- blamed it on video games. But you bring up a good point, Henry, with, uh, and uh, Marcus, with the real people to blame is, is you know, the, the gun people, the, um, the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry giving these kids very heavy drugs that a young age and then just the overall um the the life of a kid is very very difficult and they don't want to address the problems that are actually deep seated in america they want to go and talk about video games and things like that as opposed to the reality where video games keep kids inside yeah and when you're inside you can't go shoot up them all it's just also stuff that's easy to control right and it allows them every single time we give them an inch to control what we think Right. Or how we think or what we want to say, they will take it because it's so much easier. I was talking to a, a man that can go unnamed who worked for the PSYOPs uh, department of our government. And this is totally fucking true. Uh, he said we basically were talking about this and he's like the the hypnosis of America has is, is already over. It's like we've already done it. They've already mm. done it. They, right. they have made us perfectly little pliant observers of anything they want we're, we're we are such a fun little thing we're such we're fun little sheep we're fun little, we're fun little fat sheep and people talk about the obesity epidemic as it's a it's a health issue government loves us fat yeah they want us fat the fed up campaign was bought and sold by coca-cola and big and big food industries monsanto they want us as huge as we can possibly be so we just consume and consume and we're too fat to protest Situation- so are you back on sugar now oh i'll never get off sugar <laughs> But you look at like Ferguson in Baltimore and, and these things. What do they they blame that on music mm-hmm. and stuff like that? Because the, the culture, the culture, in re, as opposed to an actual protest of the prison system that became so powerful, of course, during the '90s under Clinton, and certainly uh, became more and more powerful after things like Columbine. One of the things that the media also did and one of the things that the media also needs to do and one of the things that gets them ratings is the creation of heroes. Mm. Like the uh, the heroes of Columbine, the the people who fought back, the people who did things to save others. Right. Uh, some tried to make this kid Danny Rohrbro, uh, Rohrbro, uh tried to make him a hero. They said that he opened, held doors open for students. He saved a bunch of kids. But his dad, he said, he's, he said, I never believed that. He's like, my son wouldn't do that. He would have ran. <laughs> like, he was like, he wouldn't have done that. Like, it's just, he just like, I know, I know my son. He's like, nothing against him most students ran almost every single student ran there's no shame in that that is survival instinct instinct right. takes over and the vast 99.99 percent of people run 
they just fucking run. And there's yes. nothing wrong with that. But uh, the, the father of Danny, he made a real good point. He said, there's no reason to make this story more tragic. Right. He says, it's tragic enough. You don't have to make these kids into heroes. You don't have mm-hmm. to make Dave Sanders, the teacher, the only teacher to die. You don't have to make his story more tragic. You don't have and to make he, him a hero because right. re- in reality, like we don't need to make heroes. All we need to the, it's enough to just say they were good people. They were good yeah. people who did tried to do good things. But again, who most benefits from this hero story, right? We're looking at the church, especially in terms of the, this one specific martyr oh, yeah. who was written about uh, in a book called Girl Who Said Yes, yeah. which is very interesting. This story is very interesting, highly controversial. Basically, when you were talking about when, when Columbine happened, the church is just flooded into uh, Littleton. Oh. They, came, they came in and they were like, we were ready to start. They were immediately uh, evangelizing people. Yeah. And yes, the churches were where people went to congregate. Well, when people were at a loss, the, the whole community would group at various churches, and there were different sections. There were the Catholic Church, there were the, the Evangelicals, there was a Protestant Church, and they would all meet up. But the Evangelicals were the one that were actively pursuing new members while mm-hmm. this was happening. And were completely Basically, unashamed about it. Oh, yes. I knew. I, I grew up in an evangelical home, and I'll never forget hearing this story. My... Uh, that was nonstop. The evangelicals loved this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they said that they justified saying it was okay. They said they could use the massacre for recruitment as long it was truly done for God. As long I mean, as it was truly done in God's name. That's how insane these people are. They actually were like, well, maybe there was a reason for it. Yes. And there's no reason for it. Yeah, there's no reason for it. The wind, all the cars, a lot of people, they didn't, they uh, congregated at churches, but at the beginning, a lot of people congregated at this place called Clement Park. Park, and right. they said the windshield wipers of the cars in the parking lot just overflowed with flyers from local churches saying you can yeah. come worship with us come like offering food to people like no don't go to their worship service we've got cookies as Jesus turned water into wine they turned a tragedy into money in their coffers and it was yep. it's, it's a quite a miracle actually mm-hmm. also I find the pettiness between church groups to be very interesting where there was a man from Chicago who turned out to be sort of a charlatan yeah but he what he did was he showed up and when the final name of the victims came out which was the the final it was 13 correct yeah and so he put up 15 crosses out by this clement park area um which was 13 for the victims and then two one for eric harris and one for dylan klebold and they tore him to pieces they tore the whole thing down right and this man well yes he was a bit of a it was a stunt the, there's another sort of what about the Christian principle of forgiveness, hmm. right? What about this idea that if, even if, if if Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold did this, you were supposed to, as some fucking beautiful Christian, you're supposed to fully accept them and forgive them for what they did. If there's a reason for everything, they're the reasons why it even happened in the first place. So then they have a reason for it too. They're a part of the same logic system. So they. They, they flipped out. It's just one of those examples of the constant tension that happened because of the right. religion now yeah. being fucking jammed into the sides of this massacre. And we talked a lot about, you know, the the bullying thing and, uh, you know, them being gay or, you know, them, them being uh, loners and stuff. There was another great narrative that they were massive Satanists. Yeah. Of course. Well, Satan as always- we know, Satanists don't believe in doing anything to children. That is literally in the satanic fucking <laughs> – the, the, 
Ten Commandments. Well, that was the thing about Littleton, Colorado, and Colorado in specific, and, you know, actually Colorado. Colorado has been called the Vatican of the evangelical movement, yes. specifically Colorado Springs. These people believe in a literal devil, a physical yeah. devil that is out, out to get you. Always out to get you. I'll never forget the day that I told my dad I don't believe in the devil, and then he freaked out on me. Yeah. And uh, I believe in the devil because I saw it in his eyes that day. <laughs> evangelicals. And that was also what Dylan and Eric were rebelling against, was mm-hmm. this very, very strict evangelical just community that they lived in. Yeah. And five days after the attack, there was a big remembrance ceremony, very Christian. The president was there, the vice president was there, and Billy Graham's son Franklin was there. You know what he did? Did he talk about about forgiveness? Did he talk about the victims? No. He spent most of his time talking about how this happened because prayer wasn't allowed in schools anymore. And I will say something about prayer according to the Satanic Bible. Mm. The Satanists shuns terms such as hope and prayer as they are indicative of apprehension. If we hope and pray for something to come about, we will not act in a positive way which will make it happen. The Satanist, realizing that anything he gets is of his own doing, takes command of the situation instead of praying to God for it to happen. Positive thinking and positive action add up to results. The right. power of will, my friend. The power, power of will. Um, and of course, if prayers were in school, all that would do is alienate people who were non-Christian, atheists, Muslim, Jewish folks, um, and a whole uh, smattering of other religions. And then you would harden those people because they would feel disenfranchised and not wanted by their school. So then they would be the shooter or something like that because yeah. they feel lesser than. Well, evangelicals would have been too busy making everybody fucking casseroles. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put it that way. A good old-fashioned Colorado Satanist would have been out there and he would have been making a big smoke brisket and giving everybody food. That's what I'm saying. And probably some booze. And maybe sucking your dick. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can do that. The children here, they're children. Come on. Even a 16-year-old kid in, in, in grief needs a blowjob from some older woman. I would, well... A woman of the same age. Yeah. <laughs> well, the biggest exploitation of this entire tragedy done by the evangelicals was a girl named Cassie Bernal. Oh. Cassie was the famous girl who said yes. And anybody who was uh, of age at that time that was in even a remotely Christian lifestyle heard about the girl who said yes. This is, as churches tell it, to this day... They say that Dylan Klebold pointed a shotgun in her face, asked her if she believed in God, and when she said yes, he pulled the trigger, shot her in the face, and killed her, instantly creating a modern martyr. Right. And this is what, and this is, in the way that they talk about her is fucking disgusting. And when they were talking about her, one pastor was talking about her from the pulpit. He recounted a story a youth pastor had told him while praying with the Bernals. This is what he said. I saw Cassie, and I saw Jesus, hand in hand. And they had just gotten married. They had just celebrated their marriage ceremony. And Cassie kind of winked over at me like, I'd like to talk, but I'm so much in love. Her greatest prayer was to find the right guy. Don't you think she did? And isn't Is it- that real? Yes. That wasn't Henry doing a character. No, that was real. That's verbatim from a pastor. Verbatim. Arrest then, him. <laughs> Arrest that the man. next thing you know. Well, surprisingly, the uh, like everything else, a kernel of truth to this. The girl who said yes story actually happened just not to Cassie Bernal and not quite in the way that the evangelicals wanted it to and not quite in the way that they could use it. Cassie was blown away by Dylan Klebold, but it was without a word, and it was hiding under a desk while playing. Two witnesses saw this happen. The guy who recounted the story 
just got mixed up. It was another witness thing. Mm-hmm. The girl who said yes survived. Her name was Valine Schnur. And when Klebold asked her if she believed in God, he had already shot her once. She was riddled with a buckshot. And when he asked why she believed, she said, because I believe. And my parents brought me up that way. And as Dylan was reloading to finish the job, something distracted him. He walked away and Val survived. And yes, mm-hmm. this is a good story, but there are two problems with this story. Number one, she didn't die. Number so she's one, not a martyr. Right? Yes. Number one, she didn't die, and she's not a martyr. And so if she didn't die and she's not a martyr, not only that, she can't later on in life say, like, you know what? I don't think I want to be a Christian. Like, I don't think maybe I want to do something else with my life. Maybe I don't really believe in anything. So right off, Cassie Bernal is forever a Christian, no matter what. And second of all, mm. the uh, her saying, you know, why do I believe in God? It's just because I believe. You know, my parents brought me up that way. Like, that's the answer that most Christians are going to give. Yeah, but- it wasn't like, I, Jesus touched my soul and I knew then. I went... You know, people, I heard stories from older girls about their pisses getting wet. <laughs> and it only happened when I met sweet, 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 sweet Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, She can't say that. The evangelicals no longer have the narrative that they can manipulate in any way that they want to. And even- Christians, like the Nazis, had a very, very good uh, view of optics. They know what uh, what a good story is, what how to package something, and th- and they know this. If you want to move some fucking units, like if you want to be able to sell how many millions of copies of the girl who said yes story sold, right? And I'm not blaming the Bernal family because they lost they lost their daughter. They lost their and, daughter, yeah, and they are looking for any way to give this some meaning. They're just coping. That's right, all right, they're doing. Right. They're just trying to cope with it, uh, and then no blame whatsoever should be placed on the Bernals. No, and I think another thing that should be important important to note is that you say Christian I think it's also important to note that at this time and we need to say evangelical because yeah. a lot the other Christian churches in uh, the other like Protestant and the Catholic churches in town were all saying like what the fuck are you doing right yeah the, well, the evangelicals are completely to blame yeah for the, this whole thing yeah the other Christians were like stop one of them actually said he said I felt like I was being bashed over the head with Jesus because right. they wouldn't stop talking about it. They weren't listening to people. They weren't trying to comfort people. All they yeah. were trying to do was further their agenda. And Evangelicals yeah. are some of the most harmful fucking people in this country no, and on yeah. earth. No one should use Jesus as a bat. That's number one because <laughs> that that's very rude. To your point, uh, Christians, another C word, capitalists. There was uh, the boy who died for two weeks, and then mm-hmm. he's like, whatever, two two hours. And he went to heaven, and uh, he spent some time. That was just a bestseller. Colin Burpo. D- Burpo, yeah, yeah. Burpo the boy. <laughs> Burpo the boy. Total myth. And uh, to your point about evangelicals, here in, the, here in the States, we don't really get to see the full effect of evangelical policies, but you do in the third world, in poor uh, developing countries like Africa, and uh, where gays are getting tired, and uh, tired, which means they throw a tire out of Necklaced. person. Neckl- yeah, yeah. Uh, necklacing, and they're really getting their actual point of view and their legis- their uh, philosophies passed in legislation, and it's leading to just mass murder. Yes. Um, so evangelicals, I must agree, as growing up as one, and my parents are still 
um, evangelical, but they are some of the worst human beings that walk the earth. Yeah, but they got some high powered people to pump this book because it's like when the, Cassie's mother wrote the book about the girl's life, the t- public relations team behind it were the people that handled Monica Lewinsky's book. Um, she was on 2020. She was on Today Show for two months. And they pumped it and she got picked up by William Morris uh, to shop the film rights. She sold the oh. film rights. The movie was never made because Reese Witherspoon was just too fat. Oh, leave <laughs> Reese alone. <laughs> But and she, you know, the movie wasn't made, but they made their money too, which is sad because then it comes down to it's like how much money is worth your daughter's life? Is it really replaced what happened to her? And the answer is no, of course. I just can't yeah. believe they got to sign with William Morris. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You just, just signed with a very small, you know, commercial company, and you've been a comedian for fucking twenty-five years. Yeah, tw- I'm fifty-five years old, and I'll finally get my chance to play Bigfoot. <laughs> well, even though Val, she told her story, the girl. Actually actually did say yes. She told her story immediately after being rescued. She never wavered in any way her testimony, but she would be shunned by the evangelical community. She would be called a copycat. People would say, are you sure that's the way that happened? You know, they talk behind her back and she said that she had a harder time forgiving the evangelicals and the people who called her a liar than she did Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. It's unbelievable. That is uh, that is well, how Eric and Dylan can no longer profit off of her story. Yeah, and somebody no, else is desperately is trying to. Yeah, absolutely. And so finally, let's get to what is possibly the most fucked up part of the story, and the absolute mo- the most tragic part of the story is the cover up. How no. all of this could have been prevented? Because it could possibly. Because I also forgot about this thing too. Was that the the facts that Eric Harris sent to uh, one of his teachers about what he called the Walsh butt rape incident, which was when he was uh, raped by Detective Walsh from him and Dylan. He Allegedly. Wrote, he a picture. No, when he was. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> You're um, crossing the streams, man. <laughs> he drew this little diagram of how he was raped. And I got to say, it is, um, it's graphic. <laughs> But I think it's a part of his psychopathy. He was just trying to shift the blame, as always. You know, that's what he's trying yeah. to do. But, as you know, so, was he raped by the fat cats? I don't know. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes. Knows? No. I'm Maybe. Gonna... Yes. <laughs> what? Fat cats? John Benet Ramsey, also okay. victim of the fat cats. Maybe. Yes. Uh, Mark Taylor, victim of the fat cats because he was trying to out the police involved in Columbine. You know. <laughs> There are many connections, many yeah. different things. There's different things, different information out there, and you gotta you gotta look at all the evidence. Yeah, a lot of different things out there. Uh, so Kate Batan uh, or Batten, as uh, is actually pronounced, she was the lead investigator, and she already knew by 1:30 p.m. who her killers were. When she searched the system, she found that they were already there. They had been, of course, we talked about. They had arrested for breaking into a van the year before. But more into the van and then dressed in lingerie and they took pictures of them and, and then they get force fed them anally Luvox <laughs> and all of it again stem for where you where the cover up goes who benefits follow the money qui bono yes yes but more importantly the mother of their former friend Brooks Brown had reported Eric Harris to the police department more than a year before the killings because Eric Harris had threatened 
threatened Brooks's life on his website. There were 10 printed pages in Eric's files detailing these threats one by came, one by one. And that came from uh, the fact that Brooks had thrown a rock at Eric's truck and it created a chink in his windshield and then Brooks wouldn't give him the money to help fix it. White yeah. people problems. <laughs> and he had, and the Eric Harris had gone in like he had screamed at like he had actually shown his true face to Brooks Brown's mother and and that's another thing about a psychopath and psychopathic personality is if the psychopath believes that you are of no use to them, mm-hmm. then they will show their true face to you. Right, right, They right. will do whatever. It, their, their true desires, they will open that up and they will just fucking switch off that uh, loving, caring personality and they will fucking freak out on you, mm-hmm. which is why uh, Brooks Brown's mother reported Eric Harris to the police. And the police actually had a search warrant for Eric Harris's house. There was an actual search warrant because somebody had found pipe bomb materials around Eric Harris's house. And those those pipe bombs, that evidence that pointed directly towards Eric Harris, along with the threats made to Brooks Brown, both verbally and in writing, were put together in a search warrant that would have discovered the pipe bombs and all the things that Eric Harris was planning months before, and it would have prevented the entire Columbine massacre, but that search warrant sat on the desk of the district attorney and was never signed, was never filed, and was never followed up on. Because they just believe kids were being kids. Harris himself said in the basement tapes, I could convince them that I'm going to climb Mount Everest, or I have a twin brother growing out of my back. I can make you believe anything, which is what he said. All right. And so his father also found a pipe bomb inside of his own house and didn't do anything about it. This is the thing. Because it's true, right? The police looked at this scenario. It's a bunch of kids all just kind of fucking around. It's a waste of time. Blah, blah, blah. So what they did was is they, 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 they knew that Eric Harris's father was handling it because Eric's father was sort of a hard ass and he was already in a sort of recovery program. Like he was supposed to be dealing with a therapist and all this stuff and he was passing with flying colors as a part of this like halfway house thing. So they think, well, he's doing good. He's he, he's it's doing great. But Eric Harris the whole time is getting off on the fact that he's lying to everybody. Mm-hmm. Which is what we talk about a lot of times with politicians. And this tends to be in politicians who go to the extreme right. You're Larry Craig's of the world. Dennis Hastert, who just got arrested for having sex with a 15-year-old boy. They run on platforms that make them seem some, they make themselves seem squeaky clean. And yeah. they make themselves seem holier than thou. And in reality, they do these disgusting dungeon things, which is what we also see in the UK sex things. Um UK, uh, you know, pedophile sex rings. Um, but with and now we're kids- seeing standard conspiracy thought again. The reason why they're covering it up is because they fucked up. Like, they just fucked up. Yeah. So that's where this deep fucking crazy conspiracy is happening right now, and it was very a simple little thing. And even yeah. go, let's see, even Bill Cosby as an example. He loved being America's grandfather, and the whole time he knew he was a serial rapist. Well, these people, like, they actually knew, but I disagree. I don't think the police department, I don't think they were saying boys will be boys. I think they had ample evidence to actually follow up on this because Judy Brown she uh Brooks Brown's mother she had contacted the office 15 times about Mm. violent threats very violent very real threats with evidence to back up uh him be actually being a dangerous individual they just didn't follow through with it it was just sheer police 
ineptitude. Uh, and so mm-hmm. as soon as they, and that's the thing is that this search warrant that just sat on the desk, this affidavit, uh, Judy Brown was able to immediately use that to search Eric Harris's house. Uh, but afterwards, after, after right. the shooting, after a lot of kids were coming out and saying like, yeah, it was, it was Eric Harris. I fucking know that dude. It was definitely Eric Harris. This is just history repeating. How many times have we heard this narrative? Every single serial killer we talk about, every single uh, terrible event. I, I'm on the, um, I'm with you. I think it's ineptitude. 9-11, government ineptitude. They don't, they're not smart enough to cause anything. Well, they're not smart enough. They're, yeah, they're not smart enough to cause anything. And they're also too fucking lazy. They didn't ser- follow up on the search warrant because they were too lazy. And they don't realize that the piece of paper on their desk actually ties to a human being. There was just that boy who was stuck at Rikers for three years. All it, all it took was a, someone to sign the paper and put him in front of a judge. And they just don't do these things. They just didn't do it. They just don't do and it. And then we, what you're looking at here is that now the cover-up begins, right? So they, they basically, all this shit comes out. They, they, you have to go on Today Show. He denied the Browns had ever met with an investigator. Yeah, the sheriff went on the Today Show. Mm. Yeah, so the sheriff went on Today Show. He said, no, 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 that didn't happen. They had a secret meeting. All of the Jeffco gr- groups got together because they realized, like, all this shit, we got this paper trail. And then, they like, they, they had a fucking... Like Watergate style meeting mm-hmm. where they were like, this is this is the party line. This is what we're going to say. We did not see these papers. These these papers are gone. And so they that the, the Tan was saying about this, how the Fusilier brought that up too, about how it's like that that stack mm-hmm. of, of affidavits was on a desk one day and then it was fucking gone. And then it was like a couple of years later, it just showed back up. Right. And they're like, what the fuck? Where the hell has this been all this time? Because then now they're piecing the story back together. Like after David Cullen has been researching this for 10 fucking years, he sees now it's like this huge gap in time. It's like, well, where the fuck was it from like 1999 to 2005? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why you always have to have a magician in the force. So when they look at the stack of paper and you say, what do you see there? Oh, I see a stack. It's a pizza. And you it's take a presto. The- it's a rabbit. Oh, my God. I- Never again. Oh, just, don't worry. Absolutely. And I also hid the, the, the second gunman in the grassy no. Look at him. I go the first to see him there. He is. Oh, is he from Cuba? I don't know. Is he? Oh, he's brown of skin. I put him in the box. And a runner, two or three. <laughs> now he's gone. What is it? Why are they putting a black bag over my head? No. <laughs> oh, we I have no use. <laughs> no more use for the magician. <laughs> well, the, the open spaces meeting and all the cover-up, this was all Jefferson County's Sheriff's Department. The FBI didn't know about this. The other, mm. uh, the local uh, law enforcement didn't know about any of this stuff. This was all just one elected official, one inept elected official uh, that covered all this stuff up. Well, not one, actually a big group of them. In November of 2000, Jeffco released 11,000 pages of police reports, but they left out more than half, and this is how shitty they were at uh, cover-ups. They numbered the pages before they released them to the right. public. And they redacted all the words in highlighter. <laughs> yeah, they, they got You got to use a permanent black marker on that. Also, because I feel like there's also a lot of conspiracy thought as into why Fusilier was a part of this. Yes, he was connected to Waco. Yes, he. I mean, he, he did a lot of. He did a lot of what we now know is a bunch of shady, weird shit. Like in terms of like a, our American involvement and like what happened at Waco, what happened with the ATF. But the thing is that he was kind of a periphery investigator he was there just to sort of pick together put together the minds of the killers yeah. so yes it is very strange that his kids were also involved but 
I feel like he had very little to do with the investigation as a whole. Like he was just setting all this up. He didn't come out with his report till later and then nobody gave a shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, It'd be no. different if it became the party line. But the thing is, is that again, where's the conspiracy if he didn't win? Like he didn't do the thing. Everybody believed in the other story. They believed it was uh, nerds killing jocks. Not he. Fusilier who came out and said it was like they were psychopaths. They were terrorists. Right. Yeah, we, we and have you to can work on this problem. You know, I'm just thinking about this now. That whole anti-bullying movement. This is this is also it stems from this. And what did, all that does is get more kids in trouble and uh, and creates a, a, a chilling effect. Um, and a lot of these, you know, it's it's really subjective on who's being bullied and who's doing what to who. Well, yeah, and it, it also is uh, zero tolerance rules come in right. because of this as well. And zero tolerance rules meaning that you're not a, kids aren't allowed to fight back anymore. Right. If someone punches you in the face, if you fight back then you're also going to get just as much punishment as the other kid does. Just like you do in jail. Yeah, yeah, and it also, what that prepares kids for is for being submissive. Right. And for just taking it. Well, I really miss the days I mean, when I could punch a kid. Oh, yeah. I really miss those days. And now, because it's like, you know, I used to do it two or three times a day. Yeah. Just yeah. to put them down. Just to be like, <laughs> fight me, fight me, fight me. I hope you beat me. You know what I mean? Like a trainer. Like I say, like yeah, I hit you first, but I hope you then beat me because then you're strong now. Yeah, it's a it's a toddler, Henry. It's a, just a little baby toddler. <laughs> Make up strong. Ain't no reason for nobody being weak. <laughs> well, the original search warrant, and this is the further cover up for Eric Harris's house was destroyed both electronically and physically. And we know this, but because all of the evidence is circumstantial and nobody will rat on anybody else, not a single person has been held accountable. Like there was one woman that worked for the sheriff uh, that actually said, like, yeah, this he asked me exactly where this file was I found the file and then he had me shred a bunch of documents which I thought were just duplicate documents so there's no actual like she just doesn't she's just pleading ignorance like yes I did the act but I don't know what it was that I shredded so in that's, no other way can you get away with that. In any other crime in society, can you get away with that? Be like, yeah. I, he just told me to go sell this white powder on the street. And <laughs> I just did it. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But it's like using you as a boy to burn your grandfather's documents. Uh, no, th- I actually found out what those were, by the way. What were they? I, they're not. It's not Das Nazi related. Oh. But it is oh, uh, financial. They were fraud related. It was just, uh, it was just I, I will discuss crime. it when my, grand, when my family has passed. <laughs> So there were, in my opinion, I think there were three people responsible for Columbine. Everyone's looking, for years have been looking, who's responsible for it? Who are the people that should be blamed? Three people. Eric Harris, Dylan Klebold, and the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department. That's who, oh. that, that right there, that is who is responsible for this attack. And this is very interesting. In, the, in a national poll taken after the attack, people were asked, okay, who's to blame for this? The leading culprits were violent movies, video games, mm. goths, music, bullies, Satan. But the parrots topped the list. Over 85% of the public held the parents responsible. And I'm going to go ahead and say right now, uh, the families, the probation officer, uh, even Eric's psychiatrist were all completely fooled. They all believed them. They all did exactly what they were supposed to do when it came to kids like this. And most of us were kids like this. We talked about it in the last episode. Most of us were kids. Most of the people listening right now and on the Facebook group, so many people came out and said, like, yes, that was me. I was this kid. I was did this at this time. You know, I had fantasies about school shootings. A lot of kids do. 
We just didn't do it. Write a screenplay about it. Yes. Then you actually get to you get to orchestrate it, and it's very very fun. Yeah. I can't believe it. You know, it's and it's true. The government totally won. Yeah. Good work, guys. They totally <laughs> fooled us, but yeah. it's like they they fooled the whole they fooled the whole country. Uh, they were uh, yeah. obsessed with this thing. The deeper conspiracy thought is another another thing that they love. They also love the fact that people think that it's hiding some deep conspiracy about the pharmaceutical companies, stuff like that, because it's tied to them looking ludicrous so that the pharmaceutical companies who are gigantic fucking scam artists They're drug can get away with whatever they want. Because now you're looking at like all, every time you tie another ludicrous conspiracy to them, like they just look more reasonable. Yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, we, we've talked about the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry on top hat there. In Indiana, for example, heroin is on the rise because the pharmaceutical companies had to deal with doctors to give them all these people OxyContin. Oxy got too expensive. They had to get kicked off the drug, and now heroin's there. The pharmaceutical company is really the reason for a lot of drug, most of the drug use in this country. Yes. And uh, certainly for a lot of the, the side effects of these drugs are very, very negative. Yeah. Also, you can pass your little bubble test and then go to the <laughs> university that you hate. In a bit of an epilogue on this story, one of the weirdest things to come out of this tragedy was something I'm sure, you know, maybe not everybody remembers this, but I definitely do. Oh, the Sarah yeah. McLaughlin video. Yes. Do you guys remember? <laughs> man, we had some good montage videos in the late 90s, oh, though. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. man. The Sarah McLaughlin. And I remember thinking for the longest time, I remember, like, how did that come out? Like, who did that? And finally, Dave Cullen's book finally explained it to me. It was the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department oh, who God. did it. Because yeah. they ordered a judge ordered a video that Jefferson County had took of the school in the, the immediate aftermath. They said that it was like a tra- a training video for firefighters. But Jefferson County took the video and they made copies and they sold. They put "I Will Remember Ugh. You" by Sarah McLaughlin over this over this footage of a bloody high school right after the shooting, and they sold it for twenty five dollars a pop. Well, that's an interesting way to describe PTSD. <laughs> Uh, I guess a lot of people will remember the war too. The problem is just a bunch of dudes in trench coats just going like, "I fucking love this music video." <laughs> Man, this song—it's like totally my guilty pleasure, dude. Oh but uh, but of course, McLaughlin's record label threatened to sue because she was like, "I don't want any fucking part of this." No. So you know what Jefferson County did? They just removed the music and kept selling the video for twenty-five bucks a pop. Yeah, and they just had a police officer going to be like, "Yeah, no, it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, I stepped in a puddle of blood over there. That was gross. I had to clean my shoes. Yeah, <laughs> it's a library." Over here, huh. and my old thing is in library for fucking nerds. Anyways, and over here, ooh, French fries. Yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite. I like to eat that in high school. You know, look at that little girl walking around. She's got a short skirt on. Ah, you know, it's a tragedy what happened. Oh, it's so great. You know, when they're giving tickets and citations for seatbelts and whatnot, the commissioner is just like, and upsell them on the CD. <laughs> yeah, you want And so after you give the ticket, upsell them. See if you can't upsell get an extra 25 bucks for the city. You give it to them. Yeah, yeah, sell it to them, all right? <laughs> so pathetic. Unbelievable. So next week, we're going to do something a lot more serious than this week. So I know that this has been a really lightheaded. This has really been a lighthearted couple of episodes. Yeah, so we're really, really going to get into been. something really heavy next week. Yeah, we really are. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to that. Like, I know this, this one was a much, you know, like this one uh, was a little rougher for some people uh, that I like I, I know one person on the Facebook page said that they actually lost they knew one of the victims and they lost one of the friends oh one of their God. friends in this awful uh, and so like this is definitely a, a subject that is 
people take extremely seriously, and thank you guys for for coming along with us on yeah. this on this journey. And uh, yeah, go and rate and review us on on iTunes. Uh, I'm also going to put it this way: if anybody's more interested into uh, some more of the conspiracy angles, just to make it a little bit more fun for you. Look up um, Adam Lanza's connection to the movie Bullet Time, which is a Polish movie that is made from the perspective of two like Columbine-like shooters uh, that apparently he used as a reference point. Look up the uh, connection of the pharmaceutical companies to Mark Taylor. Um, also to I, I can't find the other name. I believe his name is Dave Thomas, like the the guy from Wendy's, mm. yeah, who also um, was trying to adopt two little girls that were connected to the fat cat's uh, sex ring, but he couldn't get them because the government wanted them just because they just loved how tight their bottoms were. Right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so that's if you want to do some more hooky, spooky stuff. We didn't really get to all of the research that I did because it's just so fucking – it's serious. Right. And go to adamandeve.com and buy the fat cat sex ring. Uh, it's really great for all of your sex ring needs. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so find uh, – that's – LP on the left on Twitter. That's Henry Loves You on Twitter at Marcus Parks. I'm at Ben Kissel. If you do think that you want to go shoot up your school, honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not an irrational thought. Everybody thinks these things. Uh, don't do it. Find some fun outlets for yourself, and uh, and uh, you'll you'll be very, very successful in life because everyone who has ever succeeded in life is a sociopath <laughs> to some degree. We're all psychopaths. Yeah, that's how it, we got this far. If those feelings start to be, you feel like they're starting to become uncontrollable, um, talk to somebody in your life talk to a real flesh and blood person don't go to the internet don't email us we are not the people to talk to we the people to talk to if these things are starting to become uncontrollable the people to talk to are in your actual life and just remember if you're scared about what's going to happen if you tell somebody it's not going to be anywhere near as bad as what might happen if you can't control it anymore and you do something that you can never take back Yep. Um, also, um, it's a little bit of a personal plug after that. I'm going to be at San Diego Comic-Con with both uh, heroes and your pretty face is going to hell. So if you want to, if you're there, um, don't kill me there. That's great. Yeah. No, please. And, the, and the Cowman album is on sale, thecowman.bandcamp.com. We're going to play another song today at the end of this episode. Awesome. And thank you so much to everybody who's bought the album so far. It's doing really well. People are, are really digging it. We're getting a lot of really great responses from it. And this Friday here at the Creek in the Cave, we have the last podcast on the left live show. It's at 10 p.m. It's going to be extremely fun. I believe uh, Mr. Zabrowski's sister will be sitting in for him. So mm-hmm. we'll get the we'll get the pretty Zabrowski in there, <laughs> um, which will be great. It's a super fun time. We drink and we get drunk. We drink and we get drunk. <laughs> we have a real Irish time and I, I click and I clack and it's very, very fun. Um, oh, so, and, and be sure and go and buy the new t-shirt. Uh, oh, yeah. We're gonna we're doing pre-orders right now. Uh, it's over at the uh, yeah. It's it's go to capecomedyradio.com slash last podcast on the left uh, to buy the new T-shirt. We're probably gonna be doing orders on here uh, in the next couple days. Uh, so be sure to get your order in now. Um, all right, hail yourselves, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, and how geen. Hail Satan again! If you're looking for strength, look to Satan himself. He's really good at helping you, at, you know, at building you up and being strong. And he's all about community building as well. <laughs> he's a community organizer. <laughs> he's a community organizer. I didn't know that about him. I'm, I'm learning something new each week from you, Henry. Thank you. Me goes the later. Me goes the Back in 200 B.C. 
Ton. Hot rap. 